Welcome to another edition of the College Faith Podcast, sponsored by Global Scholars. This is Stan Wallace, your host, and my guest today is Dr. Phil Bishop, Emeritus Professor at the University of Alabama. Due to the pressures he faced as a student and then a professor at a leading university, Phil's thought much about the whys and hows of managing his time well, so as to both excel spiritually and professionally. So Phil, I've invited you onto the show to share some of what you've learned about time management. Welcome to the show. Well, Stan, I'm happy to be here, and the topic today is near and dear to my heart. <laughs> well, yeah, looking at your academic record, either you work 60 to 80 <laughs> hours a week, or you manage to figure figure this out and, and manage your time very well. So let's assume the latter. Where did you learn to manage your time so well? To be honest, God blessed me tremendously in working a small miracle to allow me to go to the U.S. Naval Academy in Annapolis, Maryland. And I graduated from high school on the 26th of June, 1968. I'd started my plebe summer. And plebe summer is a very intense training course before the academic year starts in August or September. Okay. And one of the things they do deliberately is they give you more to do than you have time to do it. Mm. And so to survive, you learn to prioritize, which we'll talk about later, but you also learn to do things quite efficiently. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I looked back after I retired and looked at my record, I thought, wow, I had no idea I had done all this. Hmm. I think there's a lot of listeners who've tuned in because they're in situations like you are. They've got too much to do with the time they've got to do it in. So they're asking, what is it you've done or learned? So I want to get into that. But but first of all, set the table for us. You know, why, why, if somebody isn't sure uh, that this is a podcast worth their time, uh, no pun intended, but why should they care about time management and put, put the time in to actually listen to us talk about this? <laughs> if you think about it, most resources, you can get more of that resource. If you want more money, you can get it. Not true of time. Hmm. And uh, the great Benjamin Franklin said, Dost thou love life? Then do not squander time, for time is the stuff of which life is made. Hmm. You know, our life is time. And the thing that really strikes me, you can be enormously wealthy you can be a genius, you can be all these attributes, you still get 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, and that's it. Sure, yeah. And so I think it's important that we realize that time is a limited commodity. And Psalm 90, verse 12 says, this is speaking to God, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Wow. All right. Yeah. Ephesians 5 says this. So then be careful how you live. Do not be unwise, but wise, making the best use of your time because the times are evil. 
Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're charged with using your time wisely. Right. And I think especially uh, in the high school and college years, sometimes there's this idea that, well, I don't have to worry about those things now because this is the time to have fun and to go do whatever I want to. But uh, and those biblical passages don't just apply to people once they're out of college, right? And in, in the working world, it's, it's, it's a call to all of us who are Christ followers, no matter what stage of life we're in, to make the most of our time. The issue is, where will I spend my time? You're always going to have to make choices. Mm. And I still love undergraduate students. You know, they're trying to figure out things. And for most of them, except for maybe going to summer camp, this is their first time out on their own. And there's lots of distractions. Mm -hmm. You know, there's lots of sports available several nights a week. Mm -hmm. There's lots of beautiful people of the opposite gender, uh, the roommates with new hobbies. There's all kinds of things. So nobody can do everything. Mm -hmm. Everybody has to make choices. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I would hope that you would take a little time. I would take a little time. Everyone would take a little time to say, what? Does God want me to do with this time he has given me? Mm -hmm. What are God's purposes for this part of my life? And if you're a student in a university, I think one of God's priorities for you is to learn. But God also specified a day of rest. And one of the things I started doing as an undergraduate, even with all these time pressures, I observed Shabbat. And I did it my whole life now, Sunday, or if you're a Saturday person, that's fine with me, but observing a day of rest. And just a quick aside, as an exercise physiology, our lab started studying rest, and uh, we found that rest is extremely valuable. Well, that's no surprise because God said, take a day of rest. Mm -hmm. And that's part of time management is to organize myself so I can take Sunday off. No study, no writing papers, no doing anything except worship and rest and occasional sporting event or something. Yeah. So it sounds like the big picture idea is that uh, time management is really more about priorities than techniques, right? Getting in the right ordering what it is that you ought to be doing. And then, of course, using techniques to do that well. But uh, so many times we talk about time management just in terms of of here's how to maximize this hour to, to do whatever. Whereas your point is, there's certain things that you ought to be starting with before you even get to the technique about what's God's purposes for me in this place at this time. How do I do things that will actually fulfill my purpose, if you will, my calling at this season of life as a student, as a, an athlete, perhaps, et cetera, et cetera. And then ultimately sensing that it's service as under the Lord or it's worship of the Lord to manage my time well. Yeah, Stan, uh, there's a time for everything. 
Ecclesiastes says, and a season for every activity under heaven. Mm-hmm. And it's just so contrary to this mantra in the culture that just drives me nuts. But it's this idea of being, quote, crazy busy, which is worn as a badge of honor, as if if I'm not crazy busy, I'm really not I'm really not valuable to others or doing anything important. And in light of what you're saying, it's really a sign of either a weak theology of God's call and our work or an inability to have the right priorities or maybe just poor time management that leads one to live a life that's not balanced and not understanding that there is a time for everything, including rest and other activities. And two, for students, you're paying someone to teach you some information. I can't remember if it was Mark Twain or who said this, but education is one of the few things people will pay for, not get, and then never complain about not getting it. Mm. You don't want to save some time. Well, yeah, but I go to class. It's kind of a waste of time. No, if you ask good questions, if you make notes, if you pay attention, that will be some of the best time you spend as a student. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, you went into quite a bit of detail on that in our earlier conversation on how to get better grades and have more fun, I think is what we called it. So I'll refer our listeners to that. I'll link to that in the show notes for folks to hear more about that. So let's let's move now from theory to practice. So we, we've talked about the whys, the theory of time management, the value of it. Let's talk about some of the specifics. So as not so as not to waste our time here, no pun intended, uh, what are some fundamental principles in terms of the practices, the things that people can actually do to manage their time well? I'm going to get to know yourself in just a minute. But before we do that, let me say file material well where you can find it. I'll tell you, I don't file well. That's one of my weaknesses. I prefer to file on my computer. Mm-hmm. the computer will search for it. I don't have to take my time and energy. That's right. And time filing is basically wasted time. And I remember hearing a, a business management guy say, uh, never touch a piece of paper twice. That's right. You touch it, you put it where it belongs, and now you know where it is. And that's why I prefer electronics, because I don't have to touch them at all. <laughs> Yes, that's that, that's good. There's actually a few things that I've found. I'll put them in the show notes as well that help me to file emails because that's where I get hung up. I get a lot of emails that I I don't have to respond to right away, but I, I do need to put some thought into what I'm going to say in response or it might be for an upcoming meeting. And I found a little app that works in Gmail. There are probably other ones that work in other mail clients that allows me to make a little note at the top of the email in a little box that uh, it's just for me. If I would forward the email on or respond, no one would see these notes, but they're there for me to come back to. So I just have to think about it once. I get the email. I think about what I need to say. I jot it in a box. And then when I get around to replying to it or having the conversation about it, I've got my notes right there. I don't have to spend more time, quote unquote, touching the email again. And then the other one that I love is, and again, this is in the Gmail client. There's probably other ones as well, but a little add-on called Boomerang. I will send an email off that I need somebody to respond to and I'll forget about it. And then if they don't respond, 
I am stuck because I've forgotten I sent it off and then I don't have the information I need when I need it. Boomerang just, if I don't hear back, brings it back to my inbox. It says, oh, yeah, uh, this person you emailed hasn't responded. You ought to ping them again just to make sure they got it or see when they might be able to respond. So uh, I, I like the technology that's developed that can help us, quote, unquote, manage not only files we get, like you say, to, to file and search on our computer, but emails to be able to file, to search, to remind us that are huge time savers. Absolutely. I'm glad you brought that up. I haven't used those things, but I will start. I'll check them out because I still do a lot of emailing, even though I'm retired. Sure. Well, what are some other fundamental principles you'd like to get on the table for us? All right. It is a great time saver, generally speaking, to work ahead. And that requires having a calendar. And for most of my adult life, I carried a Franklin Covey planner. You probably have seen those little brown notebook. Sure. Had a calendar page for every day. And uh, I did that up until just before I retired. And then I switched to my telephone Mm -hmm. because my calendar did not give me a ding or a signal, whereas my phone will. (laughs) And so planning ahead will save you time. Well, how does planning ahead save you time? Well, oftentimes you can do two things at once if you know two things are coming up. Hmm. For students particularly, you can ask questions in class if you're working ahead that will save you time and energy and help your grade. Mm -hmm. If you finish an assignment early, You can appeal to the professor, would you mind taking a look at this? Now, some will say yes and some will say no, but they know you've done it early, which will get their attention. They know that you're interested in doing good work. You just ask them, hey, could you take a look at this? And whether they say yes or no, you'll probably get a better grade. And if they say yes, I will look at it. You will get a better grade. I mean, disproportionately better grade for less work. Mm -hmm. So planning ahead is just, I I think, invaluable. It reduces your stress so much also, because you're not worried about meeting this deadline in the last moment. You've already got it planned out and you're executing your plan and you're not having to worry about that, right? Absolutely. You know, there's there's enough stress in the world already, (laughs) and we can reduce the stress by planning ahead. We will return to the show in just a moment, but first a word from our sponsor. Do you have a child, relative, or friend preparing for or attending college? What they need most are Christian professors who can help them learn to love God with their hearts and minds during these impressionable years. Global Scholars equips Christian professors to be there for them and walk with them during their years in college. Please visit www global-scholars.org to learn how you can help equip Christian professors to show Christ's love on a campus near you and around the world. Please also check out the other podcast Stan and Dr. J.P. Moreland do together, Thinking Christianly. Whereas this College Faith podcast focuses more on the practical questions of thriving during the college years, The Thinking Christianly podcast is all about the ideas that shape the university, students, our broader culture, and the world. Visit thinkingchristianly.org or download episodes on your favorite podcast platform. And now, back to College Faith. 
planning also helps us to know when we need to say no, right? I mean, it helps us know how to actually follow through on what we've committed to, but know also that, yeah, we shouldn't take on this other thing that we have the opportunity to do because we planned out and figured out, I'm not going to have time to do that. Uh, and I'm thinking of Luke 14, 28, where Jesus is talking about those of you who want to build a tower, you count the cost, you think it through, you figure out if you've got what it takes to get it done. And if not, don't do it. And, and it seems that time management helps us be faithful to, to that passage and that idea as well, right? Absolutely. You got more opportunities than you have time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So by default, you're going to say no to something that may be studying, uh, but you're going to have to say no to some things. And uh, learning to say no, I mean, you get adults who don't figure this out. Sure. But to manage your time wisely, to be what God created you to be, you have to be willing to say no. Now we're back to priorities. Mm -hmm. You will not say no to your personal priorities, whatever they are. They may be foolish, they may be wise, but if they're really your priorities, those are the things you're going to say yes to. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, knowing yourself is crucial, but also realizing, you know, the, the verse you just quoted, you know, we need to count the cost before we agree. You know, a simple response that Christians can give when invited to do almost anything is, let me pray about that. Now, sadly, we say that and then don't pray. But James tells us, you have not because you ask not. That's James uh Four, verse 2, if you ask for God's direction, he will give it to you. Now, we have to have ears that hear, mm -hmm. but God is going to help us know when to say yes and when to say no. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So tie that into your comment earlier about knowing yourself. How How is knowing yourself going to help a student either say no better, say yes and plan better, to live out better, counting the cost of doing something or not doing something? Absolutely. I think knowing yourself in all spheres is just so, so helpful. And some of the best theology I have heard came from the first Dirty Harry movie, where this detective, Dirty Harry, if you haven't seen those, you need to go back and see them. But <laughs> Dirty Harry says, a man's just got to know his limitations. Yep, that's right. And so in our conversation, you may pick up on it, uh, Stan, that I am ADHD. I can't focus for more than a few seconds, and I'm distracted by something else. Hmm. What I discovered was... I would show up to work early and it was quiet and I wasn't distracted by anything. I could get a bunch of work done mm. and then people would start showing up. And once they started showing up, I was easily distracted. But a student could come by my office and I'd be intently working on a paper or class prep or something. Mm -hmm. And they would knock on my door and they would say, well, Dr. Bishop, I know you're busy but I've just got a quick question. And my response was always, I'm not too busy for you. Now, what I knew about myself was I could interrupt my work because I'm ADHD. I was going to interrupt it anyway, answer the student's question, chat a little bit, 
they could get up and leave. And because I'm ADHD, I could pick right back up with no lost time. Ah. Now, if you're not ADHD, you may not have that gift. Right. And so if I were not ADHD, what I would have done would put a sign on my door that said, I will be available at 11 a.m., whatever. Mm -hmm. And I would close my door and be able to focus. Now, I had colleagues say, Every Thursday afternoon from noon until four, I devote to nothing but writing. Right. And when I heard that as an ADHD person, I thought that would never work for me. I would go crazy with the door closed and no interruptions for four hours. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, my unique circumstances, I worked it out that worked for me, how I can manage my time and resources. And you need to know yourself if you need to have a quiet, quiet, quiet study place. Great. Uh, if you can deal with or like having the stimulation of music. Great. If you like have the stimulation of people walking by. Great. But know yourself what works for you. Mm -hmm. And that applies to temptations. That applies to strengths, mm -hmm. you know, God's equipped me differently than he's equipped you. And we're going to excel in different areas. Right. I was just thinking about how many guests I've had on this show who've echoed the same theme in these different contexts we've, we've had conversations about, and it's just worth reiterating. Uh, I think within a, a, a biblical context that, that God has made us as unique creations, unique gifts, unique struggles, unique opportunities, and unfortunately, so much of the literature in any field, and let's just talk about time management, you know, so much of the, of the literature in time management, it's written by somebody who's got a certain set of strengths and weaknesses. And so for him or her, these are the ways that it works. And so the book turns out communicating either usually directly, but maybe indirectly, this is the way you should work. <laughs> you know, maybe it's, you should always take a four hour block and do something without interruption. Well, that might not be the way somebody like you works. And so the the challenge is, well, this book says uh, I <laughs> do things this way and this person's really successful. So it must work. So I've got to figure out how to force myself to work that way when no, maybe you ought not do it that way because you are different. So that's such a helpful insight, not only for this conversation, but for so many other ones that uh, I just want to reiterate to the listeners, uh, know thyself, as you said, understand what your abilities are. And the best way to find that out often is just trial and error. You know, you you try to, to stick to a four hours of, of, of studying or doing this, and you find that I, I, I fail miserably, but when I break it up or do it in a different place, I'm hitting on all cylinders. Well, be aware of that and help help yourself succeed by tuning into those things. I think is what you're saying, and I want to affirm. Yes, sir. Absolutely. I you said it better than I did. We're all different, and we see that physiologically as well as psychologically, as well as personality. Exactly. Well, and and uh, I'll tell you another place this comes out is. There are some who can well take any period of time, say, let's just say four hours. They can take four hours and they can, even if it's not one project, they can jump from one to another to another. And and even in those little margins, a five minute margin, just go kick out a few emails. Okay, great. For me, I need the mental space. So I can work on something an hour, hour and a half, maybe. 
but I need then some time to sort of recalibrate and not be thinking intently about something or in, or in a conversation that's uh, weighty in some way. I just need to have a mini Sabbath, if you will, uh, which is very different than than many others who really just bulldoze through a four hour afternoon of of writing or research. You reminded me of something. I figured out that I could work very hard from about seven thirty until about. 10, 30, 11-ish. And then I needed a little Shabbat, as you said. So I would go running. Mm -hmm. And that brings up, you know, back to knowing yourself. I was good until 11. I would go running, but that brings up a point too. I did not waste my runs. Mm. I almost always ran with a colleague or a student. Well, why is that? Well, we could talk if we were running. Instead of having a meeting, we could talk about research. I did had a mm. good colleague that we talked about research almost every run. Uh, students, we could talk about, you know, what, what do you need to be getting? What do you need to be learning? What questions do you need to be asking while we're running? And so anytime you can combine two things. Yep. Good. Good. Well, let's uh, let's transition to the bigger question. We started big question principles, and then we drilled into some practicals. And uh, if you think of other practicals, throw them in. But I want to move back out to the bigger conceptual level and say, okay, we're talking about saving time, investing it well, uh, making sure we're doing the things that we ought to be doing with the hours given. For what are we saving time? What's the end game here? And it might seem might seem like an obvious question, but I, w- I want to think about this theologically and try to understand more, more uh, big picture from a biblical perspective. Well, you know, Eugene Peterson, who, you know, he had a a saying, he wrote a book with the title, a long obedience in the same direction. Mm. And so oftentimes we, me, you students, we want to accomplish some great, great, great big thing. You know, a long obedience in the same direction means we do day in and day out, the small things mm-hmm. by managing our time well, by using little bits of time and not letting them go to waste. Waiting. Uh, when we lived in Africa, I lived in Botswana. Uh, my wife and I did for a year on a Fulbright. And to pay your bills or to get a driver license or to do most anything, you had to stand in these long, long lines. And you could waste an enormous amount of time. I mean, even in USA, you go to your physician's office. Guess what? You're probably going to be waiting a little while. You can take your books and study. Or you can take your laptop and work on an assignment or make notes or work on a presentation. You know, we can use that otherwise wasted time waiting on someone in a productive way. Sure. Or even having a book on your Kindle on your iPhone. That's 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 what I do, and it's uh, it's so much easier than having to carry books around. But uh, yeah, if I've got a few minutes here, I can dip into a little bit of a book. I'm I'm uh, I'm interested in reading. Yes, sir. And and podcasts. There's some wonderfully good. Well, your podcast being an example. You know, you can certainly listen to a podcast driving to work or sure. waiting for somebody or or whatever. Um, so that time doesn't have to be lost. Well, good. Hey, any additional thoughts on managing our time? Questioning is one of the most valuable skills we can learn. 
as a scientist and a, a student and as a professor, questions were my whole life. Mm-hmm. And so asking people good questions, find someone who's managing their time well. Hey, what are some of your top tips for managing my time well? Good. Good. Yeah. Well, and I would like to uh, ask you that as we draw to a close, what else do you want to make sure you say? What are the other top tips or thoughts that as you've thought about this for years and years, you want to make sure listeners hear? You know, little by little, people come to me and they want to get fit. They want to lose weight. You don't do any of those things fast. Small obedience, doing little things. Don't change your whole schedule. Don't change your whole way of managing time. Try changing one or two things in your routine. Try taking a book with you wherever you go or a podcast or something. And uh, little by little, we're going to, 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 to get better at this. You know, know yourself and saying, you know, what am I doing to waste time? What am I doing to spend time wisely? And and one caveat in looking back, Kierkegaard, one of my favorites, he says, we must live life forward, but we only understand life backwards. And so looking back, what I see was I was too productive. I should have taken more time and spent my time not writing another paper but with more students and with more colleagues. For 33 years of teaching, I ate my lunch 99% of the time at my desk. Why? Because I can be working and eating at the same time. In retrospect, I would have been wiser to take one day a week or one day every two weeks and invite a colleague, let's go to lunch, or or an undergraduate student. Because people matter. And so if I'd produced a little less, my dean would have been just as happy with 150 publications or 300 presentations as he was with more. So being wise in how we spend the time we're saving is just crucial. Mm. Tim Keller has a great book I just finished a couple of days ago called Every Good Endeavor. He talks about what's important in life. And what are our priorities and what are we doing and how can we integrate what we're doing as a student, mm-hmm. as a business person, uh, as a professor, as a school teacher? How can we use that for Christ honor and glory, doing good quality work, as you mentioned, but also looking for how can I leverage this for eternity? Good word. Well, Phil, this has been a great conversation. I sure appreciate your time. Uh, managed well to <laughs> to make time for this and to deliver so much good content in a rather small package. So thanks so much for that and your service to the kingdom in so many ways, brother. Well, I appreciate you uh, allowing me that your time to, to be on your, your podcast and uh, anything I can do to be a service to global scholars, to you, to any of your listeners, I'm just an email away and uh, I'll do what I can. Well, thanks. And I'll include your email in the show notes if that's all right. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. That brings us to the end of this edition of the College Faith Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this conversation at the intersection of Christian conviction and higher education. Be sure to check out today's show notes at collegefaith.net 
slash podcasts, where you can find more information and links to the resources we discussed. If you found this podcast helpful, please help spread the word by liking my College Faith Facebook page at facebook.com slash collegefaith and pass this show on to others who may enjoy hearing our conversation. Please do visit our sponsor, Global Scholars, to help equip Christian professors to be salt and light for Christ on their campuses. Until next time, this is Stan Wallace encouraging you to love the Lord your God with both heart and mind during the university years and beyond.